Welcome to the Chatter in the Box podcast, where your hosts, Liam Skiffington and Matt Indominico, discuss all things baseball. From breaking news to the latest free agent signings, they'll dive into today's game with some of the top minds from around the league. You can catch the latest episode of the Chatter in the Box podcast on Apple Music, Spotify, or Amazon Music, or visit our website at www.chatterinthebox.com. All right, and we are back. Episode 13 of Chatter in the Box, and this week I am joined by owner of O'Connell Sports Management, Tom O'Connell. Tom, how are you doing today? I'm great, Liam. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. We appreciate you stepping in the box and taking some time to talk to us about the agency business. So, Tom, give us a little bit of background of how you started O'Connell Sports Management. So um, I started in 1997. Um, I started at a startup football agency called Bonacani and Morgan Sports. Businessman John Morgan, uh, he's probably the biggest personal injury attorney now in the United States, but Back then, um, he uh, had an attorney working for him named Nick Bonacani. Nick was the son of the famous Miami Dolphin, Nick Bonacani Sr. Um, and so they wanted to start a sports agency, primarily football. And um, so they, they founded Bonacani and Morgan Sports. And so John had known me through other businesses, business ventures. And he said, look, you know, as we're starting this startup, um, how would you feel about coming to work? for us in, you know, recruiting baseball players. And, you know, I knew a few guys and, but I really didn't have any experience in the, in the, uh, in the agent business. So, um, you know, I was obviously taken aback a little bit in the beginning. And then, you know, I thought about it and I, and I called a few guys that, you know, were, were playing professional baseball and kind of, they walked me through like how they you know, what their agents do for them. So I took a tremendous leap of faith back in, uh, 97 and started with uh, Bonacani Morgan sports and, and they lasted for a couple of years and then, but I was, you know, I was pretty good at, you know, recruiting baseball players. And so I, I had a few guys that were, that we felt were, had a chance to be major league players. And, and, uh, and the biggest guy was Tim Redding. He was Houston and, you know, I'd signed Tim when he was in Auburn. And uh, so John and I kind of came to agreement, like, look, you know, keep going and, and I'll, I'll back you. And um, so in 2001, um, Tim, got to the big leagues. Um, I got certified through the MLBPA. And then I met Jeff Fennell. Jeff was the assistant general counsel at the time. And Jeff was great. He was like, he really kind of, you know, talked me through the CBA and, and all the business aspects of what you have to do as far as representing players through the Players Association. You know, I met obviously Don Fear. And I started sitting in on those meetings, met Mike Wiener. And it was just, you know, I just made some tremendous friendships um, at the at the PA in 2010, Jeff left the PA, started Fennell and Associates. I founded O'Connell Sports, and I would Jeff, you know, I was Jeff's first call. He said, "Look, I'm starting this um, consulting business. I would love to be your attorney uh, to help you in salary arbitration and you know all the ins and outs of, of things that you know you need, uh, you know, as far as legal expertise." And I was like, "Buddy, you know, he, he turned into be, become one of my you know best friends and." So we started, that's when I founded O'Connell Sports and, you know, the rest is history. We're, we're in, you know, year 13 and, and uh, it's uh, been very, very blessed and, and honored to be able to represent some of the uh, best, you know, players in, in the game and, and human beings. And just, it's been great. You know, they're the, you know, I'm, I'm 
I'm honored and flattered for some of the guys I've been honored to represent. So. so you mentioned signing your first client, Tom. What went into that conversation about like what you were going to be able to do for him, what he was going to be able to do for you, and how you would help him navigate his career? Because yeah, was so he, it, was, um, it was interesting. You, was he just you know, like, like a uh, random person? Yeah. Well, so you know, again, I, 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 um, you know, I just like I said. I mean, obviously, Morgan was a very established attorney back then, and Bonacani was you know, had, had a famous name, you know what I mean? So, you know, again, but for me, it was like, look, you know, I, I talked to a bunch of players and, and, you know, they were like, listen, you know, again, it just <clears throat> be, be responsive, be there, you know, do, do the little things that you can, you know, do um, to, to make our situation better. Right. And so, you know, for me, these guys were all in the minor leagues. So there really wasn't any negotiating to go on. So for me, it was just about getting the car deal getting, you know, building relationships with equipment companies, you know, doing those types of little things, grab dinner, go to see them on the road. You know, those were the things that was kind of my secret sauce to like maintaining those relationships. Right. But then, you know, again, the, the biggest thing for me, and that's why, you know, Tim is always going to be a, you know, I'll be forever in his debt was, you know, I w- hadn't really done anything yet in the game. So in order for me to keep, play, you know, you have to keep that guy and you have to get that first player to the roster because back then, that's how you'd have to get certified. You know, you had to get a, have a guy on the 40-man roster. So, you know, and, and that was like the challenge in the beginning. And Timmy was that one player that, you know, he was like one of the top prospects in baseball. He's probably, in today's world, he would have been, you know, in the top 10 because he was, a, you know, right-handed throwing 98. And, you know, he was just a tremendous talent. So, but, you know, he stayed loyal to me, you know. And, you know, we, we actually, it was, it was a crazy how I met Tim. We, uh, I had signed a couple guys and they, um, they were playing in Auburn and Tim was a draft and follow. So I, I chose to go up to Auburn to see, to actually Oneana cause they were playing the Yankees that I was still a Yankee fan back then. Cause I, uh, you know, I grew up in New York and, you know, and that was before I really got into the business. So, so I wanted to see the Oneana Yankees. I wanted to visit the hall of fame cause the hall of fame was right there. And, uh, so I chose Oneana and <clears throat> third day of the, of the, uh, third day of the, of the, uh, series, Tim comes out. Uh, he was, you know, like 97, 98. It was, it was unbelievable. And I was like, you know, who's this guy? So I waited till after the game and, you know, Timmy walked up and I said, look, you know, Tim, um, Tom O'Connell, Bonacani Morgan sports. I go, you know, you have an agent. He goes, no, I was drafted and followed back then. Draft and follows were, were very, you know, popular amongst teams. And I said, well, you know, if I follow the bus <clears throat> back to Auburn, Will you have you know dinner with me? And he goes, you, if you follow the bus back to Auburn, dude, I'll have dinner with you. So I followed the bus, you know, through the Catskill Mountains back to Auburn, New York, and you know we uh, we got there and we went to this little Irish bar, and he loved the Bills, I loved the Jets, we both liked the Yankees, and he sat with me that night, and you know, and he was my first real guy, and then you know I was able to you know navigate the the trading card space and the equipment space and and all the things that go with that, and we just, you know, developed this tremendous friendship and, you know, it, it, that's really where it started. And then, you know, Nick Green was, was another um, guy that, that I got early on and, you know, a guy that got to the major leagues. And then, you know, I knew Dan Maselli. I represented Dan like, um, you know, like towards the end of his, his career. And Dan was really like the first, Dan was really the first major league guy that allowed me to start developing relationships with GMs and, and, you know, because again, you know, he was a veteran player. And then, you know, once Bonacani and Morgan sports um, was done, 
I hooked up with Tim Shannon, uh, Mike Shannon's son for a couple of years. Timmy was representing Chuck Finley. And but Tim was awesome because Tim, Tim knew everybody in the game. Um, Tim was an attorney, Pepperdine guy, played baseball and football at Pepperdine, but just, you know, tremendous personality, knew everybody. Um, and so Tim really kind of opened a lot of doors for me as far as meeting, you know, Brian Cashman, Theo Epstein and Walt Jockety and, you know, all the guys that kind of Tim's dad, you know, ran with a little bit. And that really kind of, you know, was a springboard for me as far as the relationship aspect of, of the job, which is tremendously important. And, and that's really kind of, you know, then you start going to the winter meetings and, you know, you, you start really meeting all the other executives. I mean, God, some of the, you know, guys that were area scouts when I started, you know, um, they're all scouting directors now. You know what I mean? So it was just, you know, kind of, I just really, I guess I was really good at, at building those relationships and, and, and then it all came, you know, around and it all it ultimately came to fruition as far as just being able to have all the connections or relationships I have, you know, in the game now. So you talk about signing guys, sourcing talent. Do you have a, any kind of background in scouting, Tom? So, no, I don't, but I actually, of course I do now. I mean, I befriended a few guys early on in my career and they really kind of, you know, like they taught me and I scout, like I just, we would sit at games and, you know, instructional league and, and they really kind of, you know, um, gave me the game, you know, what to look for, you know, what, what, you know, I mean, obviously now, I mean, I'm, I really get, you know, I can judge top well, you know, now, but it was a process. You have to learn that. Right. It's like, you know, again, I played a little bit in college, but, you know, it wasn't like that was where my background came from. So I had to learn that that's an acquired trait. Right. And I was able to, through my relationships, just, you know, again, and one thing about, you know, scouts, if you're out there and you're in the paint and you're, you know, in the hot sun every day and you're working hard, they'll respect that. And they'll, and they'll start chatting you up a little bit because they know, Hey, look, I, I keep seeing this guy, Tom O'Connell. So, and then you just, you know, the, the, it's a natural evolution of just, building that, you know, trust. And then all of a sudden you start talking about players and next thing you know, you're, you know, you've got this network of, of guys that you can rely on. And, but again, it all comes down to the fact that you're out there, you're working hard, you're in, in the trenches and those guys respect that. And then they're, you know, then you start really kind of getting, forming your opinion, you know, of, of guys. I mean, one of my greatest stories ever was I was, uh, it was, um, I want to say like 06, 05, something around there when Luke Gregerson was in, the uh, uh, the minor leagues he was playing in in Jupiter and for the Palm Beach Cardinals. So I had I was trying to sign Alan Craig. Alan Craig was the third baseman who went on to become a really uh, you know obviously really good major league player. So I had driven down from Orlando. I was living in Orlando at the time, and I got there before the game. And you know Alan had just uh, committed to Aces, and so I was like, all right, well you know obviously I missed on that one, but I'm going to stay for the game because I want to you know I'm I'm here. I might as well watch the game. So. And I had this guy, Nick Friedel. And Nick is actually a huge basketball reporter now on ESPN. But Nick was kind of interning for me. So Nick and I had driven down. And, and uh, there was a bunch of, you know, scouts there and guys that I knew. And Tommy Giordano, you know, he uh, passed away a couple of years ago. But just famous longtime scout. And I think I, he was working for John Hart, I think, for the Rangers. And, and uh, so, you know, I stayed there till the end. And Gregerson came out in the ninth inning. I think he struck out the side on like 10 pitches. So, you know, everybody's packing up and Tommy looks over at me and goes, hey, O'Connell, who are you here to see? I said, well, I was here to see the third baseman. He goes, sign that guy. Wait for Greg, get Gregerson. If you get Gregerson, you'll be good. So 
So I was like, all right, Tommy. I mean, Tommy was, you know, he was a legend, right? So I waited for Luke after the game, and Luke came out, and, and I said, hey, Luke, Tom O'Connell, you know, act, it was a legends manager group back then. I go, Tom O'Connell, he goes, hey, Tom, I said, you have an agent? He goes, no, nah, I just, you know, just started the process. So I said, all right, we go, well, you know, you want to go over to JJ Muggs and have a beer with me, and I'll talk about being your agent? He goes, yeah, I like beer, because I'll have a drink, I'll have a beer with you. So we went over there and started talking, and, you know, next thing you know, like, you know, I went and saw from him four or five times, and by the All-Star game in in, uh, um, in Daytona that year, um, you know, he uh, he had won the MVP, and then he, uh, you know, he committed to me after the game, and obviously Luke went on to have a very, you know, impressive major career. He played 12 years in the big leagues and made close to $40 million, and that was kind of, you know, and then that next, uh, I think that next year, um, I ended up signing uh, Mike Dunn, um, Tyler Flowers, Jonathan Neese, uh, and ended up getting Wade Miley in the draft. Um, so yeah, it was just like, it kind of all, you know, steamrolled from there. And then, um, you know, obviously those are the guys, the, the bedrocks, the foundation of some of the, the players that I built my agency. So you talk about building your agency, building all of this, these relationships, Tom, how valuable is word of mouth in this business for, for you? Oh, it's huge. It's huge. And, you know, honestly, like, you know, I've always been a guy that like, you know, I've always re respected the agent client relationship. So for me, like if, you know, obviously you're always trying to build your, build your stable players and, and look for guys. But like, you know, if I meet a guy or meet a player and you say, you know, my first question is not, you know, who's your agent, right? That's not how I do it. I basically, your clients kind of can, you know, they'll let you know, Hey, this guy's interviewing. And, and, you know, again, and, and like for me, it's always been about, you know, building it in the draft um, and then building it in the minor leagues and then obviously retaining your players. Right. And then ultimately, you know, every opportunity you get to, you know, do a contract for them, you, you know, obviously you try to knock it out of the park. But, you know, for me, I've always tried to do this job um, with integrity. And that's I think that's been, you know, how I've built my reputation. I think if you ask other agents or or other um, you know, the executives in the business, they'll tell you, well, Tom's a stand-up guy, no bullshit, he's a straight shooter. That's who he is. And I think that's been kind of part of the reason I think that I've been successful. Absolutely. So, Tom, in your agency, what do you prefer? Because I know some agents prefer to have almost like a family-like relationship with their clients. I know some agents like just strictly business relationships. What's it? What's the culture like um, at O'Connell? Yeah, Sports very family right? style. I mean, you know, culture is a very big thing for me. I mean, you know, I've... Uh, you know, my, my assistant's been with me over 16 years, Nicole Powell. She's tremendous. Um, Angie Green is my uh, director of social media. Uh, she was, she's Nick's, she's Nick's uh, uh, wife. She's been awesome. Uh, I just hired uh, a guy, a gentleman by the name of Chris Suris, who Chris interned for me in law school. Um, he's, he's been with me now for close to two years. You know, he handles marketing for me, does the draft, you know, day-to-day -day stuff like that. Um, I just hired a girl out of uh, uh, Texas named Brenna, who's also getting another uh, piece of my marketing team. Bill Sanders is based in California. Bill does, um, he's like kind of the quarterback in the marketing space for me. And then Jeff Fennell has been my you know attorney for, you know, over 12 years. And, and you know, so it's kind of like we're, we're kind of a boutique, small, smaller group, family style. But at the same time, we've also got, you know, 10 major league players, some, you know, prominent prospects, you know, and it's kind of like, you know, it, it, I feel it's, it's a very good balanced group of not only players, but 
agent, you know, um, player ratio. I think, I think it's, it's, you know, we've, we were very, very proud of that. So 10 major league players, Tom, on top of a whole slew of prospects for clients. How do you, as the main agent of this, how do you stay on top of what all of them are doing each and every day? 162 games a year, 10 major league clients. That has to be hectic. <laughs> Look, <Yeah>. man, <laughs> listen, you know, when I first got in the business, I had no idea the, you know, time aspect of how this was going to go. But I mean, again, for me, you know, my, I sleep with my phone I'm, I'm right by my bedside on my chest. I mean, that's part of it. Like, you have to be responsive. You have to, like, things are always going to come up all hours of the night. Guys can be on the West Coast. Guy may get released. My guy may get hurt. May have to, you know, get a, you know, set up a doctor, special, or, you know, uh, the next day. There, there's all the things that happen. And I think the biggest thing for me, I think if you ask any of my guys, any of my team, just being tremendously responsive is is a very big part of, of this job. And I think that uh, one thing that I'm very, very good at. Um, Tom, so when, so the off season comes around, arbitration comes up, what are you guys doing in house to prepare for those cases? Like, are you guys creating pitch decks? Are you meeting with, um, the team before, like before the case, how does that work? Yeah. So, so we start getting prepared during the season, right? We're from day one of guys going into, going to arm, we're immediately collecting data, you know, we're, we're, you know, obviously tracking very methodically and, and, and just, and that's, that's a year long process. Like, in other words, throughout the entire season, we're doing that, you know, we're looking the season before we're kind of lining up, you know, some guys like to talk about it. Some guys don't, some guys are like, Hey T I trust you. I don't want to think about my stats. I just want to go out and play baseball. That's your job. Other guys want to be, you know, in the process the entire time. So, you know, we're, you know, obviously looking at the case from as soon as the guy gets into the, into the big leagues, how who is he trending to be? Who are his comps? Who are guys that he looks like, right? So then once we get to that that stage, then like come the offseason, once the guy's done playing, then we'll I'll sit down with them, go over, we'll talk about the case, we'll talk about, you know, we're preparing exhibits. I'm going to sit down with them and kind of show them comps of guys who I think they're, they're, they, they you know, look like. And then – then it's just really then we meet with the players association. We have our first PA meeting in November. They, you know, they have uh, usually used to be three before COVID. Now it's like really big one big one, and they usually do it during the general manager meetings. So you know, because we're all out there, we get together. You know, we meet with Greg Dreyfus, Jack Sexton at the PA. They kind of you know Lisa Pepin, and they walk us through um, kind of what they how they see the case, who the comps are, blah blah. That's kind of step one. Then you have the tender date, and by then you've kind of you have a pretty good feel whether your guy's going to be tendered or not. Okay, um, and the clubs know that too. They're looking at okay, you know who are who are the guys that we can kind of pick on, who are the guys that we think will take the deal. You have to kind of at that point by by the middle of November, you got to know your case. You got to know if this if it's a real threat or it's not a threat, right? So then basically once you establish that. You know, the club calls, you, you know, if you if you're in a really strong position, you say, look, I'll talk to you, in, you know, after after the winter meetings. There's no until the tender date. There's really no way to talk. And the tender date is usually in uh, uh, the uh, sorry, the date of exchange is the next big step. So you have the tender date in December. Then you have exchange day in uh, January. And that's usually when most deals get done. Right. And there really won't be much contact between, you know, the tender date. 
and the day of exchange because again, like the clubs like to like, you know, they all they meet at the at the GM meetings as well. They meet with the LRD. LRD gives them their recommendations for what the guy should make, right? And we're doing that with the players association. So then ultimately it's not really until after the new year, some teams will call you three or four days before, you know, the day of exchange, right? Some teams will wait till the day off because that they feel that that's their strategy, right? And basically as cases are settling, those cases are going to directly reflect other players, right? So like, you know what your group of players are, right? For like one of the best ones ever for me was Gregerson. Gregerson was in with Tyler Clippard and Daniel Bard and Sergio Romo and David Robinson and Luke, right? And that was, that was a, you know, a very tight group of guys, right? We knew that Clippard was going to drive that market, right? And that year was Luke. Luke had just an okay year. He had really good years prior to that platform year, but then he, he just kind of had a, the platform year is that year that you're going to sell arbitration. So, mm-hmm. but because, you know, we felt in a good position because that class was really strong, Luke was able to draft off, you know, and get a tremendous result um, because the rest of that class did really, really well, right? And so that's always our goal, you know, in, in arbitration. And that's where I think having great relationships with other agents helps because ultimately, you know, in arbitration, you can share information with the PA. They can give you advice on, you know, where the market's going, you know, how the class is shaping up. But in like in free agency, you can't. Free agency, that's taboo. You know, you can't you, know, you can't share information there. But in obviously in uh, in arbitration, you can. So that's a big benefit of having, you know, um, other relationships in the industry because you can kind of go to guys and say, look, this is where I see my guy. Where do you see your guy? How does he, you know, what's the spread between each salary? And those are the types of things that we do as far as, I mean, in a nutshell, that's kind of, you know, A to Z how the salary arbitration works. And then ultimately, if you exchange, then most of the teams now are filing trial. So you got to assume that if you're exchanging numbers, you're going to hearing unless you, you know, settle on a multi-year deal. And most, most clubs, if they feel you have a great case and they feel that they may lose, then they may talk to you and say, look, we're, you know, we're willing to do a multi-year deal for this to go away. And then if you feel like you've got a great case and you know you're going to win, then obviously you take your chances and you go. How hostile can arbitration get, Tom, in your experience? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, I think, look, obviously each side has a job to do. It's not personal, right? We know that. We're all big boys here. Like if we know that, you know, we decide to go, then, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, and, and the nice benefit for me is that Jeff is kind of a, a hired gun. So Jeff will put on eight to 10 cases every year, whether he's the main presenter or doing rebuttal. So, you know, and the clubs know that. The clubs know that, hey, you know, Jeff Fennell is Tom's guy. So we have to assume that if we exchange, Jeff puts on eight to 10 cases every year, he's going to go. So we were talking about free agency a little while ago, Tom. What goes into, so you have a client who's uh, in a walk year, right? What goes into his free agent prep? Like, are you are you actively calling teams while he's on a team? Is that even allowed? Or do you have to no, wait you, until the you, end of the World Series to start reaching out to teams? Yeah, no, that's not allowed. So basically, but you're like, you know, look, you're you're kind of your first thing is you got to see where you got fits in the market, right? So like, you know, and then you know you have to like see like what demand is going to be. Like this this off season, you know, Zach F one was was one of my um is you know one of my biggest signs and. It was, you know, Zach 
had been injured, came back, threw tremendously down the stretch for Philly. Um, you know, Rob Thompson gave him a very prominent role to where he was able to showcase, you know, his stuff. And, you know, and, and like just Zach was awesome. Like he just threw, threw the ball great. So now going into the winter, you know, I felt that because of the postseason performance, the past track record, the fact that, you know, he, he's a strike throwing machine, you know, all those things I felt were going to be very beneficial for him as he went through the process. When, you know, when he became a free agent after the World Series, there was plenty of, of interest, right? Um, Tampa came out right away and they were, they were you know, Eric Neander called me, Kevin Eyeball and Bobby Heck. And they were like, look, he's our number one priority. He's our top target. And so for me, obviously, Zach being an Orlando guy, growing up a Rays fan, that was outstanding. But the one thing that the Rays did really well is they gave us our space to navigate this process. You know, Zach had worked six years to become a free agent. There was plenty of interest. So for us, it was about we wanted to listen to what everybody had to say. And then once we had done, got through that first stage, then it was about, okay, now dollars and cents, where, where is this going to go? So, again, in the end, um, there were a few teams that were, were at the same level as Tampa. Then it just came down to where he wanted to be, what made the most sense for his family, and ultimately he chose Tampa Bay. And obviously he's thriving there and, and having a great season. But, you know, that part of it, it's, it's the free agent process is, you know, it's, it's, it, you can't really – it can go a bunch of different ways. So the biggest thing is you have to kind of know in your mind – Who's who's for real, and who's and who's just fishing, right? You got to know if the if the interest is real, okay, or they're just taking your temperature because you're not the priority target. Tampa did a wonderful job in saying, "Look, Zach Eflin's our guy. That's the guy we want, right?" And again, you kind of get that sense when even I don't care if it's a major league free agent or a minor league free agent. What you're trying to do is you're trying to put your guy in the best situation to either a um, go on and become an all-star B if he's signing a minor league deal with an invite to camp, trying to make the club, you know, all those things. And, and again, I try to wait till the very end, especially on minor league free agents. Cause I want to see the landscape of the club, right? If you do a deal in October or November as a, as a minor league invite, you have no idea what the club's going to look like at the end of January. Right. So, you know, for me, I usually wait for those guys until after, the first of the year, because by the middle of January, you have a pretty good indication of, of what the club looks like. Right. Um, but as far as major league free agents, you pick the right, like Wade, Wade Miley, love Milwaukee. They love Wade. He's you know had a great run there. So this off season, you know, he was coming off a year where he was hurt a lot, but at the same time, he, he was healthy at the end. They love him. They know what he brings to that clubhouse. They know he's a leader. And it's been a tremendous fit. Wade, they, you know, they're tremendously pleased with everything Wade's brought to that club this year. You know, obviously he's got off to a good start. He's going to come back this Saturday and, and he's back in the rotation because he's coming off a little bit of an injury. But regardless of that, that's the other part too. Like, you know, Wade's like when Wade went to Cincinnati, he loved it there as well. And he came down to a couple different teams, a couple teams, the, the money was more lucrative, but that was the right fit for him. Right. So he left some money on the table to go there. And that's you got to like that's part of this, too. Like you got to do what's best for your your client. It's not always about getting the most money. It's about finding a fit that is going to make not only the 
player successful and thrive, but his family happy, his children happy, all those things factor in when you're navigating you know, free agency. So Zach Eflin signed a three-year, $40 million deal with Tampa. There was a report that Boston had offered him that same exact deal, and then uh, he, you guys pretty much called Tampa and said, can you match that? And then they said, yup, and then that was done deal. Is that true? Next question. I, I honestly, Liam, again, I don't, I don't, I'm sorry. I don't like reveal how things went. Um, but again, uh, yep. it, it was, like I said, there was, there was plenty of interest on Zach and, you know, again, it was, it was, uh, the process was, it worked out. He, I think that he, he ended up where he wanted to be and obviously he's doing, he's doing a wonderful job. Absolutely. So you've been representing baseball players for the better part of two decades, Tom, what was your like welcome to the business moment? Cause this industry's cutthroat. Yeah, you know, um, again, like, you know, when I, when I was first coming up, like, again, I was I was a nobody. And so, you know, and big agencies love to walk around saying, oh, he's got nobody. He's got no experience. You know? So, I mean, there were a couple of guys that I lost. There were good players early on. But that's, you know, look, that's part of it, right? You got to take your lumps in this stuff. And the thing I'm most proud of is I was able to survive two decades on my own, you know, doing this job, you know, basically is, most, I mean, again, I've had some guys work for me over the years and, you know, and, and they all have a, a piece of history as far as my, you know, my legacy as an agent. But ultimately, in the end, you know, um, I had to take my lumps, you know, take my wins, take my losses. And ultimately, you just kind of evolve. Right. And again, I think, you know, the biggest thing about good agents is that they have stories and they have experiences. And I think that when, you know, if you were a player and you sat down with me, you may not go with O'Connell Sports, but I can promise you. You will seriously consider it because of the fact that a guy's got tremendous relationships. B he's got a ton of experience, a lot of stories. He's represented over 60 major league players in his career. Again, you know, you don't get to do that if you haven't figured out how to navigate this world. Right. And, and I think that again, there's a lot of really good, good guys in this business. I've got a lot of really, really good friends that are agents that just because we're, you know, we've always respected, you know, each other's, you know, clients and, and, and that, and that you can, you can do this job with integrity. You can do this job with respect. It's just, you just have to choose how you want to do the job. What kind of advice would you give for a younger agent looking to break into the business? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, work hard, make sure that you, you know, you're prepared, make sure that you understand the process. Don't cut your teeth on somebody's some, like learn the business before you, you go out and cut your teeth on somebody's potential bonus or free. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's a part of it. You have to like know what you're doing. Like when I first started, I was just representing minor league players because I didn't know what I was doing. So I had to learn that. Right. And then, then once I started to evolve, it wasn't until like probably 2004 or five that I really started working in the draft. Right. Now, again, I'm not saying that's the right, that's the perfect model. Right. Because again, you know, you, you know, if you're not getting any guys in the draft or in the big leagues, you're not making any money. So you're just losing money. So, but I think, you know, again, there's a way to do the job or maybe, you know, if, if you're a young age and you, and you have some financial capital and you want to do it on your own, make sure you're hiring an expert like Jeff, you know what I mean? To at least help you navigate the X's and O's of how to do the job properly. You, you know what I mean? Um, because again, that's, you know, there's two ways into this business. You can either a go work for a big, big, uh, big uh, outfit and intern and do all those things, go work for a midsize agent, a small, but again, ultimately I think that um, 
get with someone who's got experience, who can kind of help you learn the business and make sure that you're, you know, not going to, you know, frivolously mess up somebody's future. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Tom, for a guy like uh, Coco Mendez Montez, who just um, made his debut, how gratifying is it for you to uh, be there and watch him do that? Yeah, it was great. I mean, it was great. It was great to be there with his family, his close friends. Um, it was a good week for me because basically uh, Greg Kessinger got called up with the with the Astros on Monday. And then um, I flew back from Toronto. I was taking my daughter and my, my family up for a Seattle lacrosse tournament up in Atlanta. Um, so we went up there and then I was at dinner on Saturday night, get the call, hop the flight to Denver uh, on Sunday, was able to be there for that tremendous performance by him. And then I flew home because I had one of my guys throwing in an all-star game on that Monday in Lakeland. Um, so then, um, so then I ended up hopping up a flight on Tuesday and I'm in Boston right now. And we, we've been here the last two days and I've been able to see uh, Coco and, and Christian Arroyo. Travel schedule is absolutely hectic. How often are you, you in you, office, Tom? If you don't like being on the road, don't become an agent. <laughs> are you how, – how many flights a month would you say you're on? I mean, again, this time of year you're flying a lot because you have – you know, you have the draft. You have um, the combines next week. You have all the regionals, Super Regionals, World Series, the Cape, Perfect Game, Big Leagues, Minor Leagues. I mean, you're – you know, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. This this time from from May till end of August, it, it's grueling. It's it's a very grueling schedule. What kind of preparation are you guys? Do you guys do for the draft with your players? Like, do teams just call you guys if you uh, player on your roster is drafted, especially in yeah, the later I mean, rounds? And I, then I you think give you know our call, job, our, our role in that yeah. aspect of it is just to really help the family navigate, you know, the process, right? I mean, you know, kind of give them, you know, really go back and look at past drafts and give them an idea of kind of where you see the value. Right. And then ultimately um, as they're getting questionnaires or as they're having conversations, you know, it's your job to really kind of, you know, decipher those conversations and making sure that you're again, um, knowing that there's real interest or there's real, it's a real possibility that this club, could end up drafting your, your son. Tom Dave, O'Connell, Dave. thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Um, we'll be looking out to talk to you at some point, maybe reconnect uh, before the end of the season. Liam, thanks for having me. And, uh, again, have a great uh, summer. And it really keep keep kicking ass because you guys are doing a great job with the podcast. Thank you. Likewise, we'll, we'll be in touch, Tom. Thanks so much. Hey, buddy. Bye-bye.